you don't cry in like the Dunkin Donuts drive through like that's frowned upon. But you know what? Like some days you freaking need to cry in the Dunkin drive through and the woman handing you your breakfast sandwich just has to deal. <laughs> like that's just Hey y'all. Welcome to I've Been Better with your host Susan Youngstead. It's our first episode. Big yikes. When thinking about starting a podcast and in turn my first episode of said podcast, my friend Jasmine Williams was literally the first person who I thought about and called. Jasmine has been my biggest cheerleader and become a solid rock in my support system over the last two years. She's literally a sister from another reality for me. We both love talking, our pets, a good deal, and of course helping others. We found each other at a major turning point in my adult life and I couldn't be more grateful. Jasmine has been an adversity and resilience speaker for over six years now, which is incredible. She's also a speaking coach for female entrepreneurs, teaching women to deliver a polished message with confidence. I promise you, if becoming a more confident and practiced public speaker is on your list for 2021, Jasmine is your woman. I'm so excited to get this podcast going. Hope y'all enjoy. Hi, how are you, my friend? Oh my gosh, oh, I'm so, so good to see you. Yes, yes, I'm excited too. Thank you so much for being here and for spending time with me on your Sunday. Oh, thank you for having me. This is like the biggest honor and I just feel so <laughs> special. <laughs> um, I'm honored to have you here because this has been in the works, I think, for some time and I really just needed some pushing and guidance and someone to be there with me to do it and I couldn't have done it without you. So thank you so, so much. Today, we have Jasmine Williams here, everyone. She is such a close friend of mine. Unfortunately, we are not in person because of COVID, and she lives a couple states away from us. I'm here in North Carolina. She's up up north, so we are recording today virtually, and Jasmine, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm Jasmine Williams. I am a Maryland girl born and raised, but I went to North Carolina, traveled down south for college like Susan. Um, and I'm just honored to be here. I have been speaking for the last several years, and I talk a lot about overcoming adversity, which hopefully we can talk about a little bit more today. Um, so yeah, I've been speaking for a few years, and lately I have also been working as a speaking coach for female entrepreneurs. So it's great to be here and talk a little bit more about my journey and, and how we met. Um, as Jasmine said, we briefly were introduced to each other through the public speaking arena. And the way that happened was there is a woman who went to state when I was at NC State in North Carolina, go Wolfpack. And she started a program called the Mic Drop Workshop. And it was a public speaking platform for women specifically. And it was open to individuals to sign up and learn how to do public speaking. And so we signed up not knowing each other. And lo and behold, on the Facebook page, it was encouraged for us to find what we now dub as speaker sisters, which are pairs of individuals or groups of individuals that are like-minded or have similar stories or similar experiences as a way to connect with each other and sort of mentor each other. And I don't remember, did I post something? Did you both post something? How did we find each other? I, I honestly don't remember either, but all I can say is it was some kind of serendipity fate <laughs> that we ended up as speaker sisters. Um, and I remember saying like, even if I never book a single speaking gig from being in this group and, and doing this 
public speaking workshop for women, the fact that I met Susan through this, like it was worth it. It was all worth it just because of that. So um, I 100% agree. Yes. Oh my gosh, me too. Because I will say that was two, three years ago. Yeah, it was quite some time ago. And I can personally say I've had no public speaking gigs since then. So I would agree <laughs> that this has been my my best outcome from joining that group. Jasmine, tell, let's start there. Let's talk about, yeah, how did we decide to connect? What brought us together from your perspective? Yeah, I think that, you know, one way or another, like you said, I don't remember which of us reached out first, um, but we were encouraged in the group to kind of post about what we speak about as women who are speakers. And both of us had kind of posted about grief and the experiences mm -hmm. that we had been through with loss. And it's interesting because I think a lot of times when you see speakers or celebrities or, you know, notable people who are talking about grief, they're usually further along in their lives, right? They're usually mm -hmm. a little bit older. And sometimes I think it's difficult to connect with people about something when they're not at the same stage in their lives as you are, right? So it was hard for me to connect with other grief speakers, other mental health speakers who were in their 30s and 40s and were married with children because I wasn't at that place in my life. Right. And so I think for us, it was like, wait, we're like millennials or close to the same age. Both went to college in North Carolina, both knew the woman who had started this public speaking workshop from working with her um, in a different lens. And so it felt very uh, an automatic connection. And um, I think that's kind of where it all started. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you spoke to so many amazing pieces and y'all just get ready for us talking today because Jasmine is such an incredible person. And I think she speaks to this idea that grief, one, in our society, right, is a shunned topic we very taboo we do not want to talk about grief we don't want to experience grief it's very heavy it's very dark or so it's perceived to be and mm -hmm. so as you said the grief world has seemed to belong to the older population and we on the younger end of the spectrum have kind of been left to fend for ourselves and figure out how to process this on our own and so if nothing else as you said mic drop workshop led us to finding one another and finding a community, at least in each other, that we could share about grief, because I can absolutely speak to going through grief myself that, you know, being alone was the, one of the hardest parts. Absolutely. So yes, speaking back to just a, a piece about grief, and I would absolutely agree that I think when we posted about similar experiences, we were like, oh, wait a second, there are there are people like us and we're not alone and we need to be sharing this with other people. Yes, definitely. And I think the more that you and I connected, the more I was willing to be open to finding even more people to connect with. And I think since then, I've also been much more vocal on not only my speaking platforms, but in my personal life on my personal pages about some of the things that I've gone through and my experiences. And that has led other people to then open up to me about their experiences. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. It's becoming more acceptable to mm -hmm. talk about, I think, in a public setting. And social media has been a big part of that, as you said, talking about it on Instagram or Facebook. And I feel like TikTok's even taking off now with sharing about 
grief stories, right? We're going to have to get really creative on how we talk about things. But I think this concept of no longer hiding the fact that we all experience grief and feeling shame and guilt around experiencing grief. Absolutely. Tell me about, you know, maybe tell us in the audience a little bit about, you know, the concept of I've been better is to share real raw connection stories around when there's maybe been a time where you weren't as honest with people or as transparent and whatever that reason may have been. But talk to us about what that holds for you when saying I've been better. Yeah. Oh, man. That that tagline right there like holds such a special place in my heart because I am anyone who knows me I am like the tough love friend right I am the I mean like I literally have one of my best friends from college my name and her phone is Olivia Pope like that is how <laughs> my friends and family perceive me right like if you have a problem call Jasmine Go to she's Jasmine. gonna help yep. you out She's going to talk you through it. You're going to come up with a plan. You're going to leave that conversation with actionable steps you can take to solve this problem. And I love that. What a heavy role to have too, I though, love at a young being age. that for people, but exactly. It's very yeah. heavy. It's very difficult. And um, in terms of I've been better, I felt like there were so many times that because of that role and that facade that I had to carry or perceived that I had to carry, um, I couldn't find my own Olivia Pope, right? I mm -hmm. had to be that for so many people, but I didn't always feel like I had my own, right? Like where mm -hmm. was my me that I needed yeah. to fix everything? Yeah. We need to clone you and have you exist in the world. Yes, yes. absolutely. And um, it's funny because I had a, another good friend in college who had been through so many challenging experiences um, and we really connected for similar reasons because we had both been through a lot of grief during undergrad, mm -hmm. just normal college stress on top of that. We were both dealing with a lot of um, serious health issues that not a lot of people knew about on campus um, mm -hmm. that we confided in each other about. And every time we saw each other, our greeting was always like, hey, how are you? And we would consistently lie and say, I'm great. Yep. How are you? I'm great. How yep. are you? I'm great. How are you? And it was just like, it became this running joke. And we would laugh when we would say it to each other because it was almost it was like you knew ironic. it was a lie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You knew you're like, that's BS. Exactly. And I think years later, I mean, this was when I was in college. So years later, I think I can see that we were in such a fragile place that it was almost like if you open that suitcase of stuff that you've been hiding away so you can just make it through, everything's going to explode out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as busy college student, as people, you know, moms, I'm sure struggle with this, entrepreneurs struggle with this. Um, sometimes you just don't have the time. It's never a convenient time to deal with. Yeah the emotions, the grief, the anxiety. And so um, that's why Isn't I love- Isn't that a hard statement? Like yes. pausing you there for a second, right? To say it's not a convenient time 
I'm sorry. When is death, grief, pain, suffering ever convenient? It's not supposed to be convenient. Exactly. And so I remember always thinking like, I just need to make it until March. I just need to make it until Thanksgiving break. I just need, once I get a job and graduate, everything will be better. Once I have more money, things will be better. Once I get my own apartment, a house, you know, and there's always this next level. Um, And it took me a long time to really accept like, I will not get to the next level until I acknowledge and unpack these things. And so I had to let that I've been better wall kind of come down and be honest with myself, which was very, very difficult. Um, And, and yeah, there's no convenient time for that. (laughs) Right. Right. When, like you said, I think in a society we are conditioned, at least in this society, the limited scope that I have of our society here, but that, yeah, when someone says, Hey, how are you? That's not a, an honest question, right? We're not actually asking you how you've been. It's a pleasantry. Yes. Right. And then if you were to be honest and say, oh, you know what? I've actually been better. This is happening in my life, X, Y, and Z. What are we sort of told will happen, right? We'll scare the other person or that's too much for you shouldn't be sharing that much about your life with other people. That's for you and your family or simply just for you to handle, which we're learning now is crazy. Yeah. And, and I think too, like we kind of touched on earlier, the second that you are honest, you open the door for the person on the other side of the conversation to be vulnerable in return. And Mm -hmm. so many of us are waiting for someone else to open the door that we never are the ones to open it, right? We're waiting for someone else to be brave and take that step. And the person that we're looking at and the person we're lying to and saying, I'm good, how are you? I'm good, how are you? They're waiting for the same thing. And so it's very difficult, but it's also, I think, a very brave step to take. Yes. Yes. Right. You know, we're all not that much different from one another. We all crave and want and need the same things, especially human connection and vulnerability. So as you said, you know, if you're looking for your Olivia Pope in the world, if you are being that Olivia Pope for other people, maybe it's time to turn the tables and be like, no, you know what? I actually need somebody. And so the next time Susie calls me and says that they have some stuff going on and they ask how I am, I'm going to say, you know what? Thank you so much for asking. I actually have a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, such a big part of it wasn't even finding. I had this, this idea in my head that I was going to find another person who was like, a different version of me, right? And mm-hmm. they would be my Jasmine Williams, so to speak. And then one day I was like, wait, I am Jasmine Williams. I can be Jasmine Williams for myself <laughs> too, right? Yeah. And it wasn't about finding another person. It was about carving out that space and that time for myself to take care of myself. And sometimes that means when someone calls me at 10 p.m., I can't answer, right? Yep boundaries. Um, And sometimes Mm -hmm. that means if someone texts me 15 times in a row, and my anxiety is like already a 95, Mm -hmm. I can't read that text thread right now, because I have to, I have to take care of myself first, I have to come down from, you know, whatever I'm dealing with before I can be the best version to support you. And that was like, whoo, that was some humble pie. And that was really hard (laughs) for me, because you have this perception that like, I'm letting people down. And the one time Mm -hmm. I don't answer and the one text I miss is going Mm -hmm. to be 
literally life or death, right? Because when you've been through a lot of grief in particular, that's your mind conditions you in that way that everything is important. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's hard to filter through that noise. Absolutely. Absolutely. But putting up boundaries for yourself is so important. Absolutely. So you can take care of yourself. Jasmine, how would you feel about sharing with us a little bit about when you were in college, as you said, you were going through some really heavy stuff and there was times where you were not honest with yourself or other people and you sort of just went through the motions to get through the days and, you know, sort of what led you to want to speak about these topics? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because um, I've been through a lot at a, at a young age and I can tell you, like, I can pinpoint one single event And after that, it's like my life has a very clear before and a very clear after. And I remember spending so much time um, after just thinking, I just want to be how I was before. I just want to be my old self. I just want to be normal again, right? Like all of these things. And it took me a while to connect the dots that um, that one event was kind of like the catalyst for me. And there was no going back. And then I was almost like wasting time by by having that mentality that I could have spent trying to be happy with this new life instead mm-hmm. of, you know, wishing and praying for my old one back. Um, and for me, that event was my freshman year of college. I was a very young, naive, you know, classic, <laughs> carefree college student. Um I was very indifferent about, yes, I was very indifferent about a lot of things. You know, there were seldom things that I was like very passionate about and I cared about a lot. I was just kind of like going with the flow with a lot of things and I was fine with that. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I turned, I actually turned 18 in college and a week after my 18th birthday, my mom called me and she's like, Hey, I need you to come outside. And I was so confused. And remind us where your mom lived, right? She didn't live near college. Right. I was so confused because my family's from Maryland and I went to school in North Carolina. So I was like, why are my parents here? Like, you're like, oh crap. Like, what did I do now? Right. (laughs) And um, what bill did I not pay? No, exactly. Like, did I go over my data again? Like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, And I remember, you know, I came outside and my mom was there and she told me that my older brother had died. And I mean, he was, healthy. He was 29 years old and it was so unexpected. And Mm -hmm. like, if my life was a movie, like before that happened, you know, I'm like walking down the streets of New York city and like my power blazer and I'm walking on sunshine is playing in the background. And then that's the scene where the music changes and the lights get Mm -hmm. dark and the energy shifts. Mm -hmm. And like, that was the moment. And there were so many things that happened after that, unfortunately, Um, you know, more loss of people in my family during college and um, dealing with the anxiety that came from all of that loss and Mm -hmm. always feeling like... When it being so sudden, right? Out of your control. Yes. Yes. And always feeling like um, 
what would you call it? Like, when is the other shoe going to drop? Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I walked around with like that anxiety. sense of dread often. Yes. Um, yes. And it almost, I'm sure many people can relate to that. It almost became like when I felt like a walking on sunshine moment, I almost felt guilty. Like, wait, no, something's about to happen. Like, I shouldn't let myself mm-hmm. feel so happy because if I'm happy right now, that means something else is coming. Exactly. We and, make um, this connection of between, oh my gosh, I was so happy and then something so tragic and horrible happened. That must be how it will be from now on. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And um, that was, I mean, that changed everything for me. And for so long, I was kind of in denial about it. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I was so busy as a college student and I wanted nothing more than to just pretend like I could just be who I was before, even though that version of me no longer existed, like by default, right? Something big, life-changing. With a big brother. Yeah. Something life-changing had just happened. I, my life will never go back to that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was in so much denial, right? And I just wanted to throw myself into classes. Um, It's so, (laughs) my family like jokes about this, but in high school, middle school and so on, you know, I didn't care about school. I was like very social, which everyone who knows me (laughs) will say is still true. Um, Very social. I cared a lot about extracurricular activities and making friends. And um, I was always that student that got in trouble for talking during class and things like that. Right. (laughs) You too. Um, Me too. Whereas like my sister was like straight A student that like, you know, was doing all the things and every teacher loved her and she's brilliant. And um, in college, I kind of I kind of swayed to my sister's side of things. Right. Because studying and throwing myself into classes and projects and papers was a distraction. And so I, some would argue that's a healthy distraction, right? But I became almost like well, obsessed, almost obsessed mm-hmm. with the work. And I was in every club on campus and every volunteer organization. And if there was a fundraiser, best believe Jasmine Williams is going to raise the most money ever in the history of this fundraiser, right? Like it became like a competition to find things that made me feel good. Yeah. You were the Rose Nyland of your college cohort. Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. Yes. She is the representative of all things charitable, but as you said, it made you feel good, right? You have Mm -hmm. a purpose. Yeah. But it was temporary, right? Yeah. And I always found it like I was literally chasing the next fix, mm-hmm. right? For something mm-hmm. feel good. Um, and I did counseling in college, you know, grief counseling. And um, even after college, I did therapy. I've had multiple therapists over the years. Um, and I always kind of tell people, you know, therapy is hard because it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you're little and, you know, you fall off your bike and scrape your knee or whatever, and you go crying Mm -hmm. into the house and your mom pulls out the peroxide and you're like, oh, please, no, like, don't do this to me. And I remember like my parents always saying, if I don't do this now, it's going to hurt more later because it's going to get infected. You're going to have to go to the hospital and all these things. Right. And that's kind of what I finally realized like that's kind of like therapy. Therapy is like my bottle of peroxide. And sometimes it sucks. Like sometimes it's hard. 
there are therapy sometimes... is not rainbows and butterflies no people. <laughs> like sometimes I have cried the entire session and left and I'm like why am I doing this to myself yeah, yeah. um but afterwards is like that's when it feels better and you start Absolutely. to get those glimpses and those breakthroughs and you're like this is why we do the peroxide yeah well because it's your opportunity to heal right mm -hmm. to, to clean things up and to sort things out if we're going to compare it to peroxide it's painful to heal those wounds but how important is that or they can get infected and grow more mm -hmm. oh yeah oh yeah i'm so appreciative that you feel like you can talk about your story especially at such a young age being in college and yeah, I, I remember being a freshman, senior and, you know, freshman through senior year in college and wanting to just live my life in a bubble and pretending everything is fine and thinking about finals and the next party I was going to and my on-campus job and, right, it's very easy to live in a la-la land and we want to pretend like that's how the real world is and maybe we don't take as much time to look around and see that people are going through very difficult real-life situations mm -hmm. around us and we all live in this not, I guess we don't all, a lot of people live in this facade, right? And, and we don't admit to when things aren't going so great. Yeah. But I think for all of us, there's a breaking point where, and I've like talked about this in so many of my speeches, um, mm -hmm. and it will definitely be a chapter in my future book. Um, but I, my moment I'm was ready. Like, I want the first copy. Sign me up. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you might have to fight my mom for that, but okay, second copy, I'll take second, second copy. <laughs> I'll take second. Um, but for me, that moment was always um, the shower. Like I would go about my perfect life in college. And I mean, I kid you not, like I was getting awards on my college campus that I was like the first ever whatever, right? Because they had never given this award before. And I would get home and I would go in the bathroom and close the door and go in the shower. Mm -hmm. And that's where I would let it out. And that's where I would just yes. ball my freaking eyes out, like to the point of like almost throwing up kind of crying. Oh gosh. Yeah. And like the kind of cry where like you have like a hangover the next day, like your head hurts <sighs> and you're just like yeah. dehydrated and cranky. Um, <laughs> it's a vulnerability hangover. Yeah. You absolutely. let yourself finally let it out. And um, that's where I kind of like, that's where the facade came down for me. And I realized it was because it was the only place that I was completely alone, right? Mm -hmm. No roommates, mm -hmm. no classmates, no it woman on, at Starbucks across the table from me, right? Only me. And that was the only place. Mm -hmm. And I started noticing like over different experiences, different points in my life that I would still do that and I would still go there and cry in the shower. And I had to actively like take steps to stop doing that and saying, I can cry in my room. I don't have to go and save it, right? Um, right. As Abby Lee Miller says, save your tears for the pillow. I was saving my tears for the shower, <laughs> like literally. Right. Right. Where they blend in really well. Mm -hmm. right? And it's so dramatized and yes. romanticized oh, yes. on TV. We all can name a handful of TV shows where someone's crying in the shower, yeah. right? So it's, it's normalized that that's, yes, but it's normalized too of you go cry in the shower. Mm -hmm. You don't cry anywhere else. You cry in the shower. Right. You don't cry in like the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru, like that's frowned upon. But you know what? Like some days you freaking need to cry in the Dunkin' drive-thru and the woman handing you your breakfast sandwich just has to deal. <laughs> like, 
that's yep. just she's like here you go sweetie have a great day yeah <laughs> yes here's some extra sugar packets for your coffee yes and that's what i think is so beautiful that you've recognized that the facade that we wear and this denial was not working mm-hmm. anymore and so being more honest about your life which is very vulnerable and really scary to do and it's opened up so many doors for you how does it feel like if you look back where what's how many years out are we now from the passing of your brother oh goodness 2012 yeah so eight okay, years so we're eight years eight years this month actually yes mm-hmm. well look at that well yeah to your brother raise my water bottle looking back eight years how do you feel about how you were handling things eight years ago to how you handle them now oh man I was I feel sad that I hid it for so long and that I Mm -hmm. that I couldn't that I felt like it was better to keep it in and um, even now, sometimes I find myself like, should I post about this? I feel like I talk about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Should I do, you know, another speech and talk about this? You know, what if they want a happy speech? What if they are bringing me for an uplifting speech, right? <laughs> Maybe they don't want a sad speech about, you know, this hard experience I had in college to their college right. students, right? right. Um, but I'm really freaking proud because it is hard. It's still hard. Like to this day, it's still hard. Um, we're both like teary eyed over here. I know. <laughs> so it's still hard. And um, I'm proud that I'm still doing it and still pushing through. Yeah. If they want a happy speech, th- there are people that have happy speeches. There are people that speak on different topics and this just happens to be yours. And that doesn't mean that you don't have a happy aspect to it right you know happy and sad are not mutually exclusive yes they go together we need both I mean we've all seen inside out right if you haven't everybody go watch inside out you have to have both Mm -hmm. and so these hard experiences that we will all experience at some point in our lives some of us younger than others and before other people we need that and so yeah maybe you get asked to speak on something at a college about no longer half-assing it and organizing and succeeding in classes, you can still tie this in and say, look, we're not here to invalidate that you might be going through something really hard. Right. And we still have to show up in life sometimes. Yeah. I actually, I love that you said that. I just submitted a proposal to speak um, on a very similar topic. And it's kind of about how um, we all want the sunshine, right? We want to sleep in and get the promotion and have a huge house and a million dogs and just like the best time ever. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't Don't forget the the cats for me. Throw the cats. (laughs) And we don't want the rain, right? We don't want to lose jobs, to lose people. We don't want to be sick. No one ever wants to be sick, right? Um, We don't want to struggle. We don't want to get flat tires. We don't want to get bad or negative feedback ever, right? We want the sun and not the rain. Um, But the reality is plants grow when they have both, right? And it's the positive and the negative experiences that build us and shape us and make us grow into stronger like very well-rounded people, right? Right, um, right. And I think that's important. And it's it's hard to say that because we don't always want to hear that. Oh, um, my gosh, no, I want to live in La La Land sometimes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, it's like what Glennon Doyle says in her book Untamed, right? That she was running from the realities of life. And when she was going to those groups, right, and giving up her vices, someone looked at her and said, life is supposed to be hard. Like, yes. Who told you it was going to be easy? I love that quote. And and one of yeah, her other I butchered quotes, it, but yes. One of her, I think one of her other quotes is, we can do hard things. And I yes. say that to myself yes. all the time now, like the washing machine is going to break and then you're going to lose your job and then you're going to get a flat tire and then your dog's going to be sick and it's going to be $16,000, right? Like there's always <laughs> going to be something and it's not about avoiding those things. It's not mm -hmm. about removing all of the negative from your life. It's about the grit. It's about the reward, the happiness that comes from pushing through right. what's difficult. Um, and that's a hard, that's a really hard pill to swallow because like Absolutely. we said, we want la la land. We want to have, you know, cinnamon buns for breakfast every day and not eat spinach because it doesn't taste as good. Um, right. But sometimes, you know, that's the line. We There are certain things we have to do and things that yep. we have to go through in order to grow and and to really be the best version of ourselves and sometimes going for a run instead of watching an, another episode of Netflix is not fun but that's what we have to do yeah at least for ourselves right mm -hmm. yeah I say I find myself saying often in my sessions I will quote Glennon Doyle and say we can do hard things yes. you can do hard things yes. and I'll say as well Look, I wish that we could sometimes go to a speech, a motivational speech, and have the lesson learned there than you having to live it yourself. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that is the case. And others, we still have to go through it as well. And you can help people go through it, but they're going to have to go through it themselves too. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, how are you today? Today is the 15th of November. We have come out of an election, sort of. <laughs> We are in the midst of a second pending lockdown with COVID. So how are you? I am feeling really hopeful right now. Yeah. Um, I had a hard 2020. 2019, 2020 was really rough for me. Um, and I turned 26 last month. Ooh, ooh. And I remember like looking myself in the mirror and being like, this is your year, girl. Like this is Hell your yeah. year. And no one is going to like lay out all the things like breadcrumbs for you to just follow to make this mm -hmm. your year, right? You have to make it your year. And I just remember feeling like a, a, a weight lifting, like that I was empowered to do that for myself and not when I get the promotion, I'll feel better. When I have this much more money, I'll feel better. When I get a new car, I feel better, right? Because we chase those things forever and we never, mm -hmm. the feeling never comes from that, right? Mm -hmm. It comes from like a rainy, cold Saturday when you're just like, you have that light bulb moment and you're like, I yeah. can do this for myself. I yes. can make the life that I want for myself, no matter what happens in the background, like more loss, more anxiety, work stress, relationship stress, life stress, health stress, right? No matter what happens, like I can still make this my life for mm -hmm. myself. And um, I felt really hopeful after that. 
That's amazing. And it was a nice... I am hopeful, too. It was a nice relief from, like, months and months of stress and being trapped in the house and gosh, all of that. Yes. Um, so I'm I'm open and really hopeful. That's amazing. That's amazing. How are you? What are you doing? Oh, thank you. Um, I am well busy. The holiday season always is very busy, yet so much fun for myself. But I am too hopeful and feeling a little burnout this year was has been a rough year in the world of variety of things but in my world particularly because of the work that I do and also trying to be there for friends and family and my loved ones so it's been a heavy year I am looking forward to taking some time off as the holiday season approaches so I feel like we need the holiday spirit a little bit more this year yes. than we have before. So like yes. if if it's, you know, three o'clock in the morning and I want to listen to All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah <laughs> Carey like six times, like who cares? Like it's, yep. I feel like it's 2020 has been like kind of my motto for a lot of things. Like it's 2020, like just do what you want. Absolutely. Um, and I love that. Absolutely. I love that. I hope we continue that even after things kind of uh, That's go what back we want to normal. take with us. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we want to take with us from 2020 is more Christmas spirit. I, too, have Michael Buble on the record player already. Not surprised. What are you doing to take care of yourself right now to kind of keep that momentum of thinking that this is going to be your year? So I actually got a Kindle for my birthday, which yes. is like my favorite thing on the planet right now. Yes. Um, and I noticed that I used to I love to read. Mm -hmm. And I used to read a lot to relax. So I would always read when I was en route somewhere, right? So if we're going to Florida, I have like three books in my suitcase because I'm going to read on the plane. I'm going to read at the beach. I'm going to read mm -hmm. before bed. Um, but during my sort of hustle and bustle of everyday life, I don't have time to read, right? I don't have time to read. I mean, of course, I have time to watch Grey's Anatomy, but I don't have time to read. Um, and so having that, I've been trying to read more because I've noticed that's a space that I feel so like, ah, like I can take an exhale with a book. Um, but I hadn't made space for that exhale in my normal life, only in like my vacation life. Right. Right. So trying to bring that like aspect of vacation Jasmine right. to work Barbie Jasmine. Real life. Yeah, um, love. And so, yeah, so that's something I've been doing a lot of. Um, and like I said, I've been, I'm really proud of myself actually for setting better boundaries. And um, I mean, I used to be like that person, like you could text me and I would respond within seconds. Mm -hmm. Like I was that available. And I've been doing a lot better this year about sometimes like I just go MIA and um, I did this a couple months ago, and and I I do feel bad because sometimes it freaks people out. Um, mm -hmm. like when I I took a break from social media for months, months, mm -hmm. like pretty much the entire summer, I was not on Facebook, Instagram, like nothing. And when I came back, like I had DMs, like people thought like something was wrong, like I was mm -hmm. hurt or missing or you know something. Um, and I felt bad for that, but I also felt again, it was like that. It was very cathartic and very therapeutic oh for gosh, me yeah. to just not be connected. Yes. And, um, you know, if people called me or texted me, 
they had to wait until I wanted to answer or wanted to respond or had space yeah. to respond. Absolutely. You had the bandwidth to connect. Absolutely. And so um, even after like being back on social media now, um, something that I've done that has like made a world of difference is I don't have notifications on for my social media apps anymore. Mm-hmm. So like I can go on Instagram and have 14 DMs and I'm like, oopsie, sorry, um, because I'm right, not but getting. But if they want to get a hold of you, they will. Yeah, not because important. I'm not getting notifications anymore. So I have to go in the apps to see what's going on. Right. Whereas before it was like constantly like ping, ping, ping. I mean, about anything. And that would drive me insane. I get drawn into things like that very easily. So um, no notifications. I highly recommend that if you're Agreed. not quite ready to go like full Jasmine Williams, ghost mode, <laughs> Jason Bourne, yes. MIA level. But Yes, I would second that. Absolutely. We are so concerned with being available all the time. Turn your phone off. If you can't do that, turn the notifications off. That person on Instagram will find a way to get to you. And here's the thing, if they don't, not that important. Yeah. And even sometimes I, the first time I did it, I remembered being like, well, what if there's a real emergency and my phone's like on airplane mode and people can't reach me? And I know that that's a real, a real fear and it's a, a genuine one. Sure. And I remind myself, like when my brother died, my mom drove six hours to North Carolina Showed to tell me in person, dorm. right? So yes. if there was a true emergency, like, I mean, if you know my parents, like they will find a helicopter to land on the roof of whatever building yes, I was in. We'll it's absolutely it in the sky. necessary. Um, absolutely. So I agree. If if it's an emergency, people will find a way to reach you. Don't stress I love about that. that. I love that. Everyone hear that, especially in 2020 with all the constant news and updates and sources of information that we have available to us, put some boundaries up. So start small. If you have Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, pick one. Eliminate the notifications Ooh, from that's one. Good. See if you can slowly detox yourself from some of those outlets because you deserve to take care of yourself. You do. And I think we forget that. We think we always have to be so available to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Jasmine, tell people where they can find you and what you have coming up, what's going on for you in the coming year. Yeah, I'm really excited about 2021. I'm working on some cool projects. Um, The biggest thing I've been working on these days is speaking coaching. So I noticed that a lot of women, especially like female entrepreneurs, um, have these incredible products, incredible services, but they didn't always know how to present themselves in the best way or talk about their platform or their product in the best way. Mm -hmm. And there is a skill to that. Oh, yeah. And so I started speaking coaching this year. um, And I'll continue doing that next year, which is something I am really passionate about now, you know, helping other women kind of have that light bulb moment um, and Mm -hmm. unlock like that confidence and that sense of empowerment. That is really the key to being a good speaker, right? More than what you're actually speaking about is that absolutely that cadence, that flow, that energy. Yeah, Um, You could sell mud. Oh, yeah. As long as you had that skill. Yeah. So I'm excited about that to continue working with clients on that. I'm also working on some speaking opportunities. Uh, Mostly we'll be doing virtual conferences for the time being. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, 
again, just so honored to have the opportunity to sit down with you and, and talk through this really important, although difficult, but really important stuff together. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so grateful for you and being my partner in this, you know, my my speaker sister and honestly just sister overall because I would not be where I am in this platform of podcasting and then let alone so many other facets of my life without you. So I'm I'm so thankful for you. And I hate that we live so far away, but we'll get to hug each other one day. One day. I hope. I pray. Good <laughs> it Lord. It gives us something to look forward to, right? Yes. So tell me again, we've got a Facebook page, Jasmine C. Williams. Yes. Is that a professional Facebook page? Yes. Right? And then tell people where they could find the coaching program, if that's something they're interested in. Yes. So you can find out pretty much everything about me on my website, which is jasminecwilliams.com. That has links to all my social pages. I'm really active on Instagram and Pinterest on there too. Perfect. And we'll make sure to put that in the details as well and have see people see you and please follow Jasmine on her social media pages, especially Instagram, because she puts lots of fun pictures of her dog, Duke who is the sweetest on there and he loves winter. So we are twins because we love the cooler weather when it comes and he is a diva when he's hot. So I feel this is true. Like we are twin souls. <laughs> yes. Shout awesome. out to Duke. <laughs> well, Jasmine, thank you so much. Please take care of yourself today and beyond today. Thank you for having me. This was really special and I'm just so grateful. Thank you for listening to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Please be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. And follow us on social media at I've Been Better.pod.